The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Welcome, welcome to Wednesday Night Live. We're so happy that you're here with us in this beautiful evening. It's great to be alive and be together, so thank you for tuning in. And I'm so happy to be here tonight with our speaker, Reverend Simon Shadowlight, and with our, our masterful prayer, Reverend Jackie Harris. And we are joining this wonderful team, this beautiful musical team and beautiful production team to bring you a great Wednesday Night Live. So Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit in this uh, portion of our service about uh, a vision for the world that we see. Uh, I know that I felt very inspired a couple of weeks ago with Gene Houston's mm. invitation for, to all of us to say, yeah, things are really different right now and, and appear to be falling down. Systems are failing and people are struggling maybe with health and, and trying to find their way in the world. And in the midst of all this, don't forget to vision for what is the world that you'd like to see created. Don't forget to take time to really to give your energy to that. And so we want to talk tonight about our vision of a wonderful world and a, 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 our vision for a, a better world and what comes to mind to us. And so, uh, Reverend Jackie, we'll let you begin with sharing some of your beautiful thoughts. All right. For me, the first thing that comes is in the midst of all this, all this what feels like crazy making between COVID and all of the other things going on in the world, I just see a world that becomes kinder, kinder and gentler, and sees the heart in each person instead of seeing all the things that are not the same, that they feel that heart that we know beats in every person and that we share in what we know is oneness. Mm. So to me, that would be the ideal world. Mm. The other thing would be to go back to the Waltons when we didn't have, you know, all the technology and all the things <laughs> oh, no. and we could all live together. <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding about that. I love the technology, but it is that it that for me is that real heartfelt kindness. Oh, beautiful. Mm, Thank nice. you. What about you, Reverend Simon? I think for me it would be a world where the human species has somehow evolved beyond the experience and expression of fear. Mm -hmm. um, I think so much of fear is, you know, we get gripped into this place of, here's what I'm comfortable with, and if it's anything outside of that, if it's any opposing viewpoint, if it's, if it's any other group of people that is different than me, or then I have to make them wrong, I have to be against them, and that somehow they threaten. And, and, and being in that place of fear, I, I can't, I can't work with them. I can't make it okay. I can't compromise. I can't work outside of whatever it is I've accepted as normal or ideal. Um, if we could get beyond that embedded fear, then at least we could entertain the possibility of those who were different from us and saw the world differently and felt differently. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I love both your answers as I've been contemplating this. I have a little bit of both of what you've said in mind too. And I've been, I think because I've been noticing as you might be pointing to uh, all these issues that we're facing right now are tempting us into divisiveness. Mm -hmm. They are tempting us into separation. They are tempting us into fear. And, and in fact, fear I think creates that need to be divisive and I think that the view that I keep going back to 
that our founder, Ernest Holmes, talked about, and in fact, great spiritual leaders have talked about throughout the ages, is going back to oneness. What would the world be like how, if everyone could allow everyone to be who they are and trust that together we, we can be who we are, think what we think, and we can still move towards a greater experience of the world and we can still evolve and we can still shift, that we can rise above. And I've been reading a lot lately about oneness and reminding myself that oneness is not sameness, that unity does not mean uniformity. There's this, this, this urge, I think, this fear that if, if um, everyone doesn't believe what I believe, it could all go to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's just not the truth. It's actually when it's the celebration of the variety and the being able to honor all viewpoints and honor all ways and all traditions and all walks of life that we actually become stronger and we become weaker the more we fall into the trap of divisiveness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel sad because I see a lot of divisiveness going on, especially on social media right now, even people in our own community being divisive against one another. And that is really... I think not. I think it's sad for us because we know there's a better future that we could have, yeah. and the world could uh, certainly benefit from that. Yeah, if I had a wish, it might be that we could see ourselves and each other as God, as the Spirit, sure. as the Beloved mm-hmm. sees us. If we could cut through the veil of you know the I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. or I'm too much of, and just cut right. If we could behold ourselves and behold our innate divinity the way that I assume the beloved sees us, mm-hmm. there you go. That's beautiful. I've been taking a class from Matt Kahn lately, mm-hmm. and a lot of that work is uh, allowing your highest self to inhabit your being all the time, not just when you meditate. Right. But I, I've been really experimenting a lot with watching conditions in the world and other people and and realizing if my ego were to stand down, which I like my ego, it makes me unique and makes me me, it's it's fine, I don't need to kill it or get rid of it. But if I were to allow it to stand down and see that situation or that person from my highest self and I notice that even that question causes me a greater peace. I may not agree with what that they're doing over there or what's going on or how that got handled, but I can still stay attuned to peace and well-being. Even in the midst of that, I don't have to fall into fear. Right. It's been a great spiritual practice. Yeah. And I think, too, if we remember that that still small voice is always speaking to us to give us that direction mm-hmm. instead of spending so much time yeah. wor- trying to work it all out, right. I think the world would be so much better <laughs> if we could live there more often. Sure. And I think what comes with that, Jackie, is the ability to hear that intuitive voice that tells us what's ours to do. Because what's mine to do may not be what's yours to do, but I can sure celebrate you in the midst of what's yours to do. And there's an energy that can go forth when we listen to that voice. Very powerful. Anything else that you want to say? No, I I totally agree with it. Just be kind. Yes, be kind. Let's hold each other with our innate dignity Uh and just Uh chill out, people. Chill out. Yeah, and I think it does come down to what you were saying, Simon. I, I, I feel like people are afraid mm-hmm. that it, it's all going to fall apart. It's just all, all going to fall apart. Yeah. And, and there comes this time when I think spiritual maturity says, you know, it looks pretty bad, but I'm going to trust. And that's, often, that's mm-hmm. often the turning point, whether it's an individual facing a great challenge in their personal life or we collectively. Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust that it's all going to work out okay. Mm 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, I want to add something to what I just said, though. Chill out. Chill out. But we still have work to do. Of I mean, course I mean, we there's, do. There's, yes. there's a lot of obstacles that we are facing. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot of work that we have to get done, a lot of uh, healing that has to happen and um, work that we need to do. But let's be about it with a glad heart. Sure. You know. I keep seeing a wall, and if you're building a new world, and you build that, and you build a house, if you're building a new house, and you're building it on bricks that were weak and not, didn't have integrity, then the house will fall down sooner. And if we build a world that's built on fear and divisiveness and anger and animosity, the house is going to fall down sooner. We won't get where we want to go with that kind of building. Right. But if we build a house that's based on doing that good work and having courageous conversations, loving conversations, even where we don't agree but being with each other in the midst of that, the house that we will yeah. build will be built on that. Even as we solve the problems, we certainly need to solve. Right. There's a lot we need to solve. There's a lot of evolution available for us. Huh? Yeah. Very good. Well, how are you doing? Is 2020 crazy enough for you yet? I mean, if things were any more mysterious, chaotic, unfolding, I would be pulling out my hair if I had any. I, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. I, if things keep going the way they're going, this will be the year that aliens come down to take over the world. So I'm not planting that seed. I'm just saying there is so much um, chaos and turmoil and things are in such great flux. I've been working with a lot of people. I stay connected with a, a lot of people and um, I hear about the experience they're having. And everyone seems to be having this, you know, this feeling of angst or anxiety or inner tension or pressure. And, and so often it comes out in the form of anger. And I would love to tell you that I am somehow immune to it all. That with my years of, of spiritual training and spiritual practice that I simply walk through it gracefully with an open heart of compassion. And if you talk to my wife or you kids, my kids, you'd find out that that's not true. I'm not immune to it any more than I presume most of you are. And I want to give a special shout out to my Sangha, my brothers who help keep me sane, help keep my feet grounded and my heart open. So a lot of when I connect with people, what, I, what I've been getting or what the questions that I get asked is, what is up with this anger? Talk to me about the experience of anger. So many people are feeling it more often than they've ever felt it before, or feeling it in situation or ways or with people that they've never felt it before, and it just seems to creep up. And I've become aware that there are what I would call two misconceptions about anger that I want to address tonight. The first is the belief that anger is somehow bad or wrong or unwholesome or spiritual people don't get angry or it is simply uh, immature expression of emotion. The second misconception I want to talk about tonight is this idea that 
Well, no, this is the time for anger. I mean, transformation and change requires anger. And we're just going to jump into it and let her rip. Both of those, I don't think, for me, are an appropriate way of approaching this thing we call anger. I want to read this quote from Ruth King, who is a meditation, a mindfulness teacher, and she's the author of the book Mindful of Race, Transforming Racism from the Inside Out. And she says, anger is initiatory, but it's not transformative. So let's talk a little bit about this thing that I'm referring to as anger. And I want to suggest, first off, that it's not simply an immature emotional outburst. I want to dig a little bit deeper than that. I invite you to consider the idea that we are energetic beings and that there are primal energies, natural energies that are constantly flowing through us, around us, and as us. And, and without dealing into specific, what do you mean by energies? What is that? Let me ask you, do this for a moment. Think of a time when you have felt depressed, in grief, maybe shamed or humiliated or guilty or apathetic. Just the sense of that that density, the constrictive nature of, of that kind of energy, that kind of emotional experience, and contrast that to a time where you have felt enthused, energized, passionate, in love, in joy. Contrast those two states, those two energies, those two ways of being, just with how you react to yourself, how you treat yourself how you show up with others, how you show up in the world, how effective you are in the world, at, at creating in the world. Just get a sense for a moment of those two different ways of being. And that's what I'm talking about, about energy flowing through us and, and our experience of energy and moving. It, it's like if this energy is flowing through us, here's, here's what I would say. This energy tends to flow in alignment with our desires, our wants, our values, that, that which we're drawn to, that which makes us feel more alive, that which we have come here to be and do. And when that energy gets blocked, when, when there's an obstacle in the way of that energy, we have a sense, we have an experience of building pressure and tension, and angst, frustration, anxiety. And that experience, that inner experience, we tend to label as anger. Think of it like a, like a great river is flowing through us. And when that gets dammed up, when it gets blocked up, all that pressure that builds up, that tension, we tend to label that anger. And if there's no outlet for it, if, if we don't give that some kind of outlet, then at some point, the dam breaks. And that release of all that energy tends to be somewhat destructive, a destructive wave that rushes out from us. And that expression of that sudden release of anger, of energy, we also tend to label as anger. 
I want to point out that the energy itself isn't anger. Rather, it's our experience of that energy being blocked or that experience of that explosion, that sudden release of energy and the destruction that typically follows. So this brings me to this idea that it's these negative interpretations, these negative experiences of energy that leads us to this first misconception. In other words, that it's bad, that that experience is bad, that spiritual people don't have that, that it's wrong to, to find oneself in that place and that we shouldn't be there. Now the problem is if I hold that view, if I believe that that experience is bad, then I tend to repress it, to deny it, to ignore it, to not let myself experience that aspect of my wholeness and my humanity. And at some point, that's going to blow up. It, it just tends to be the way it is. When we repress energy like that, it tends to either blow up or it turns inward in a variety of chronic negative ways and we can literally be consumed by it. Now the second misconception is almost like it's like a 180 degree difference and it's that anger is somehow a necessary, a required and can even become a glorified aspect of transformation and I can, I can give myself that permission to literally be the, you know, the bull in the china shop and that's it people, watch out, change is coming and I'm going to lead it. But it's the same destructive wave of energy getting released. Only The only difference is this time, this wave of energy, metaphorically, I've grabbed a surfboard, hopped on top of it, and I'm going to see how far I can ride it. The problem is I still leave a great deal of damage in my wake. And that energy runs out. I tend not to be able to achieve what it was I really wanted to achieve. Or I create a backlash you know, due to the, the damage, the destruction, the way I showed up. I create in others a, even more resistance. And so now I'm even less likely to get my needs, to get those things that I value, to, to get those needs met. And additionally, there's a danger that I can become addicted to that, that juice of that release. Because here it is, I've, I've bottled up this energy, I've held it in, and suddenly it's a release. And although there may be damage and destruction, and I may suffer from it as well, it feels good to get that energy out. And the danger is that I actually become addicted to the release, and then knowingly or unknowingly, I get in a cycle where I perpetuate that anger just so I can experience the release. So, awesome. Those are the misconceptions. Those are the things we don't want to do. What do we want to do? What is the positive way to approach this thing we call anger? Well, again, let me go back to this quote from Ruth King. Anger is initiatory. Anger can be a great wake-up call. It gets my attention. If I'm aware, if I'm, a pre if I'm present, if I'm honest, when I feel triggered, when I feel anger arising, something's going on. 
And if I'm present, if I'm aware, if I'm mindful, it can be a call to action. A call to say, whoa, what is the obstacle that, that I'm feeling? What is the obstruction? What is the tension? What is the resistance? What is the need in me that is going unmet? What is the thing that I value that is being threatened? Let me give you a, uh, I want to leave you with a way to approach anger when you feel it like, a, a way to use this positive aspect or to approach anger positively. And this, this comes from uh, Tara Brock, the meditation and mindfulness teacher. And she has this technique that she identifies with the acronym RAIN. RAIN. It stands for recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. Let me give you an example of something that happened to me this morning uh, about how you would use this. So this morning I go to the grocery store to do my shopping and I'm wearing my mask and everyone else is wearing their mask except for one woman. As I'm picking up my produce, there she comes in without her mask. Now I understand and I acknowledge and I honor that we all may have different views about this virus and about wearing masks. I understand some people don't feel it's necessary. I understand some people think it's a hoax. I understand some people feel that masks don't help. I understand that some people feel that masks are an infringement upon their personal rights. And I honor you to hold your feelings and your beliefs. But that's not my belief. My belief was damn it, why aren't you wearing a mask? So I used this technique. Okay, I'm triggered. I am triggered right now. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the energy. And I thank God for the work I've done here at Mile High Church and in other places to have that inner presence of mind to be aware that, whoops, I'm triggered. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go up and approach this woman and straighten her out. No, that's not my way. But I recognized that I was angry. And I allowed myself to feel it, to experience. Not to shame myself, not to, oh, Simon, what a bad minister you are. You're, you know, here you are, anger. No, I just allowed it. I allowed myself to experience it. Then I started to investigate it. What's going on? And I realized that in truth, I wasn't worried that I was going to suddenly catch COVID-19 from her. That wasn't my worry in the moment. I investigated what I was telling myself. And what I was telling myself is, hey, you know, maybe a person can have it and not know about it. And maybe a mask will help some. So if you care for other people, you will wear a mask. That's the belief I realized I was holding. Well, when I saw this woman wasn't wearing a mask, I, of course, determined that she obviously was a selfish and uncaring person. I don't know anything about her. I have no reason, no understanding of why she wasn't wearing a mask but I was aware of what I was telling myself. I became aware of the source of my anger, which was what I was projecting onto her. And then I said, what do I have to do to nurture myself? And it was to simply be with it, to realize I didn't have to ride that wave of anger, to realize that in fact I was probably safe. I had a choice to stay away from her, realize she probably wasn't a bad, selfish person. And I also imagined a little bubble of light around her just in case.
That's how I nurtured myself. So, this is what I want to leave you with. As you're out there in the world doing your things, as you're doing this dance with we call, which we you know, call the unfolding drama of human existence, recognize when you're triggered. Recognize when that flow of life and joy within you is blocked. Allow yourself to simply be present with it without judging yourself or others. Just allow the experience of it and then investigate what's going on for you. What are you telling yourself about the situation? What's really happening? What needs in you are not being met? What things that you value are being threatened? And then what can you do in this moment and going forward to nurture and care for yourself? Do that and you will find that the Anger can be your doorway, your initiation into the possibility of a greater level of transformation and growth. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.